They discovered that <laughs> they discovered that Mary had rotting timbers. <laughs> <laughs> So they burned it. <laughs> uh, welcome to We Should Know Better, the podcast where we hitchhike across Wikipedia like a bunch of fact hoppers, going from dubious fact to dubious fact. Uh, I am your Bodie McBoatface Kyle, and with me as always are my naive public poll managers <laughs> uh sky and i'm tim i was gonna call for something clever but i'm like wait <laughs> clever clever naive pollsters what would they be called they'd be called like evelyn like that's what they'd just be evelyn. <laughs> like, i don't know where else to go with that wow i really like that though uh just for just for the sake of explaining the joke uh just google Bodie mcboatface it's worth it it is totally worth it uh, I found out recently that there's also, I, I don't know where it was, but I want to say also in England, uh, someone also, they, someone named a train, a passenger train, Trainy McTrain Face. Yes. So it's continuing. So we have, uh, so in case you haven't listened to the podcast before, uh, just ignore that whole series of jokes that has nothing to do with anything we're doing tonight. What we're actually here for is to play the Wikipedia game where uh, I give these guys uh, two pages on Wikipedia, and using just the links on those pages, they have to find their way from one to the other. Um, tonight, uh, in in um, in what is maybe a an allusion to the fact that it was recently spring break and I did not do my homework, uh, I had to come up with something uh, kind of off the cuff tonight for our show. So I picked a really good. Don't tell them that. <laughs> Well, they, they, they'll be able to tell anyway. Uh, we'll just work it all out and edit. Uh, I picked a really good starting page, and we'll see where we go with the ending page. Tonight, we're going to be starting at Bowling, which is a page I can't believe we haven't been to before. Just Bowling, the page, because it is a page. <laughs> and uh, we will be going from there to Librarian, as in... The li- like a single librarian, just the page librarian. Say, if you say the librarian, that sounds like a superhero. That probably yeah, exists. Right. I well, let's see. Disambiguation for other uses. The is, librarian. Yes. Is there a group name for like multiple librarians? <laughs> is it like a shh of librarians? A shush. Yes. <laughs> a shush. Yes. A shush of librarians. I like it. Uh, there, there is in fact a the librarian from the Discworld novels, and a character named the librarian from a series of made-for-TV movies starring Noah Weil, uh, called, and I'm not making these up, the librarian quest for the spear, the librarian return to King Solomon's mines, and the librarian curse of the Judas Chalice. Wow. So look those up. Or not. I mean, Sound great. Does he work options. with the Hardy Boys? Uh, maybe. But in in the uh, spirit of this, I, I was actually going to go back to my regular game of making you guys come up with a good name for or good description from a for a, uh, a weird educational game for kids. But I decided that this would be more fun. You know what librarians have to work with all the time 
is the Dewey Decimal System. And I, I can feel Sky's terror right at this moment that he might have to do a quiz about the Dewey De- Decimal young. System. You do not, in fact, have to do a quiz about the Dewey Decimal System. Yay. You can breathe easy. What I'm going Just to ask anagrams. you to do, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Take these numbers and align them to some letters and you'll find... Okay. Oh, no. Um, what, in fact, you guys are going to do, though, uh, the, the system is supposed to cover everything. In, in all of, uh, you know, all of nature and all of science and everything else. And uh, you get, you know, it, it breaks things down in what are supposed to be 10 general classes from uh, general works to language to science to technology and arts and recreation, etc. And some of those get really specific. But what I want you guys to do tonight instead is... Uh, out of all of the decimals, uh, out of all of the subclasses of the Dewey Decimal System, I need you guys to tell me if you could, if you guys could design one Dewey Decimal class, one specific genre of books of oh, of geez. literature. What would be the one that you guys? Uh, what would you pick? To be the overly specific Dewey Decimal class oh, that you would research. I've got it. Oh, oh, dang. All right. Guy. It would be the the in my pants <laughs> uh, <laughs> category. And they're just great book titles that if you add in my pants to are hilarious. Wow. Wow. OK, Tim, what do you got? Mine is the the bane of thrift shops category. Oh, wow. Books uh, that are widely bought uh, in droves <laughs> while they're popular and then dumped a year later in thrift shops oh oh nice you're being you're inspired by 50 shades of gray Absolutely, oh that was so great and right and i feel like we should link this in the in the notes somewhere but that fort made of books of 50 shades of gray mm-hmm. that was that was astounding uh just roughing it the search for it... the gold of tutankhamen what? strong poison double shot I... great expectations <laughs> politics and poetics the flowers of evil <laughs> Okay, Sky, you win. You win. <laughs> oh, man, he wins. These are books. When I was you, going to my brother's wedding, my brother had his wedding in like a like an inn, sort of. Like oh, a bed yeah. And, <laughs> and there, was a, there was a library upstairs where they actually held the wedding. And there's all these books. And one one day I just Instagrammed all the book titles I found that were great for in my pants. And that's wow. Wow. That's what they were. Well, Sky, I I fully believe that we should create the Dewey Decimal System of In My Pants. Fantastic. I think that I don't know who we we need to bother for this, but it needs to happen now. Hug them close. Wow. If you had been dedicated to it, though, you would have Instagrammed those books sticking up out of your pants. Oh, oh, no. oh, you could have gone the extra mile. Of course, you probably would have been kicked out of the NC-17. Okay, well, uh, someone needs to let the Library of Congress know that this is this exists now, and uh, which also gives us the chance to uh, let Sky go first tonight in our game, where we are starting at bowling and working our way toward librarian. So oh uh, let's just first. head to bowling. What's that? <laughs> now I can just start first. Yeah, good job, Sky. It's kind of a curse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, this is a big page. It's it's enormous. Do you know why I picked this page? I mean, obvious. Other than it's bowling, and come on, it has uh, a very long-winded history of bowling. Uh, 
Yes, it does. <laughs> like seriously. And the I way it's love- set up, the way it's set up is like every year there was something that happened yeah. in the world of bowling, and it just I- is the most interesting sentence. <laughs> They well, like yeah, exactly like that. I I really love like they picked the one most interesting fact from this year. I and I have to imagine that if this is a thing that started as early as it did, that you know people had been doing this for a really long time. So yeah. there was a lot going on, Ancient but Egypt. they just but they picked one thing every year, and they're like, you know what? No, you know, in twelve ninety nine, we only got to talk about we only have space for this. Right. If we go into you the know, history the, the, of bowling is so illustrious, uh, so vast, really so wonderful. So uh, I'm just going to pick out a couple of gr- really great ones. Well, I mean, let's start from the beginning here. The earliest known forms of bowling uh, date to ancient Egypt and the ancient Roman Empire. Uh, only one of which is cited there, by the way. Uh, remnants of balls used at the time were found among the artifacts in ancient Egypt going back to 3200 BCE, which is insane. Hmm. Balls were made using the husks of grains covered in material such as leather and bound with string. That basically, I mean, bowling is as it has been, you know, <laughs> it, it, in in memoriam, like forever and ever, it is exactly what it sounds like. Uh, there are, in fact, a lot of really great little um, hallmarks in the history of bowling, though. So I'm just going to pick a couple here. Um, in 1325, laws were passed in Berlin and Cologne limiting bets on lawn bowling to five shillings. So that apparently that was a problem. Uh, in 1366, the first official mention of bowling in England was made when King Edward III banned it as a distraction to archery practice. <laughs> Man, <laughs> wish I wasn't some loser shooting this arrow. I could be cool in bowling. <laughs> I could be rolling this heavy thing down down a lane. <laughs> And hitting pins with a ball instead of an arrow. Ball's much thicker. Yes. Much wider. <laughs> I feel like I have a better chance with this. Yeah, easily. Oh my gosh. Wow, I didn't realize I, I had not read it this closely. Uh, in 1511, King Henry uh, King Henry VIII, an avid bowler, banned bo- uh, That's not cited, by the way, so that's that could be apocryphal. Banned bowling from the lower classes. Imposing a levy for private lanes to limit to the limit them to the wealthy. What? Oh man, they should have made I a movie about no this. I had no idea. Oh, how is there not like a? <laughs> that says another English law passed in 1541 prohibited workers from bowling except on Christmas. Wow. And only in their master's home and in his presence. <laughs> what? <laughs> Please, master, watch us bowl. <laughs> and it's the they- only day we get to do it. They and that was also they only had an hour of that day to bowl with the bumper lanes on. Um, oh. <laughs> oh my gosh! Wow, I did not know the English had such a contentious history with bowling. <laughs> In about fifteen twenty, Protestant Reformation founder Martin Luther set the number of oh. pins, which varied from three to seventeen. What at, at nine? No, what? no, hold on, hold on, <laughs> and built a bowling lane next to his home for his children. Sometimes rolling a ball himself. Cited twice. All right, church. You know what you're doing wrong? Lots of things. But you know one more thing you're doing wrong? <laughs> Bowling. Nine pins. <laughs> That's the way God says it should be. Standardizing it right now. Oh, by the way, in 1617, King James I published a Declaration of Sports, banning bowling on Sundays, but, but permitting dancing and archery. <laughs> 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 dancing and archery. 
at, first at the attempt. same time? Yeah, I really hope so. <laughs> Doubles archery. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh man, I really, really hope that would be like the fox trot, but then also you are shooting at a fox. Yes. Uh, oh man, I really hope that was really what it was. So yeah, banned bowling on Sundays, permitted dancing and archery, but only if you went to church first. Yes. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. You got to you have to have these rules to <laughs> it's just anarchy. That's right. All it's just all that pin action. That's all that that's what's going on what? all the time. Rip Van Winkle was the first mention of nine pin bowling in American literature. Mm-hmm. Or, do you know I, literally my first interaction with uh with bowling like in literature is Rip Van Winkle. Like, I remember reading that and thinking, that's bowling, right? Like, <laughs> can you think of another story that has bowling in it? Uh, no. no, no, I cannot. Was was the Great Lebowski a book? I hope not. <laughs> uh, I wonder if there's a the um, big Lebowski. Yeah, <laughs> I just don't want to get well, no, no, no. See, when, when the, F. Scott no. Fitzgerald wrote the first draft, <laughs> it was the Great Lebowski. In my it's pants. The, <laughs> It's the great Lebowski, Charlie Brown. Uh, let's see. Well, the uh, well, let's go to the popular culture section because it has a huge section here on television, in film. Where's books? Books, books, books. Oh, all the oh, tons of video games. Wow. How are they? They do not have other. Wow. It does not have more than one reference in writing, at least not according to Wikipedia. Nope. Nobody's ever. Ever read about bowling? <laughs> Dang, because as a sport, not a ton of action. I mean, it's mostly Except with your eyes, pins. right? Like, yeah, like a dramatic, like even when sports, like sportscasters are 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 sports casting, <laughs> casting bowling, sports. Yes, yeah, when they're commentating commentating on it, it's pro- it's just like, oh, <laughs> yep, seven nine split. I really like that casting sports makes it sound like they're like scrying for, for yeah. the sports. <laughs> like well, kind of. Tell it's kind of what sports like, is. oh, well, the uh, the blood is running over the chicken bone here. So it looks like the uh, 49ers <laughs> are going to take the take the Super Bowl this year. That's the, the bowling alley with the little people in it from Night Vale. Yeah, of course. Have you guys ever, um, I don't know if this is a thing that you guys bumped into um, <laughs> in, in your history of uh, watching like, uh, mystery science theater and riff tracks type stuff. Did you guys ever uh, catch cheap seats on no, ESPN? I don't think so. Mm-mm. It was the only thing I ever watched on ESPN. Uh, it was, it featured the Sklar brothers. And what they did was they literally took old tape of sports like bowling <laughs> and commentated in the style <laughs> of riff tracks. And uh-huh. it was surprisingly amazing. Yeah, um, I bet that could go yeah, well. Yeah, I could see them doing a really good job with that. I don't know who yeah. they are, but... You you know who they are. You've, I probably do. I just don't yeah. know celebrities You ever hear, like, the, the Chopper 4 skit? <laughs> That's them. Chopper, Chopper 4. 4. Yeah, yeah, okay. Chopper 4. Uh, now, they, they did have quite a few bowling uh, bits, which were great. I really enjoyed their uh, riffs on bowling. But uh, if you ever get a chance... Uh, try to track down their riffs on the spelling bees because those were those were filmed on ESPN at one point. Oh wow. And it was amazing. I bet the, 
Yeah. There's there is a very amazing speller named I think it's Rebecca, but I know her last name Celophon, and she stole America's hearts and taught us how to spell. And it is amazing. <laughs> it's an amazing clip if you can catch it. Sounds great. All right, so Sky, where are you going from bowling? Even though I really don't want to leave this page, if that's very obvious, I really just want to spend the whole episode on this page. Um, well, libraries. Yeah, uh, libraries. There's a lot here. Yeah, I mean, King James probably would be a good jump, or you know, Washington Irving. You know, that's a reference to writing. Oh yeah, Washington Irving's a good one, actually. Oh I don't know why I'm helping Irving. you. I'm just really excited by this page. It's so great. Oh, man. But there's Sir Francis Drake here. It says that he allegedly uh, was playing bowls, as you do, <laughs> at Plymouth Ho when the arrival of the Spanish Armada was announced, replying, we have enough time to finish the game and beat the Spaniards, too. Oh, wow. That's great. That's so great. Uh, I think I'm going to... I can't... I'm going to go to Sir Francis Drake. All right, Sir Francis Drake it is. Holy cow, that's a mustache. Actually, that's a weird... That is a weird picture. He's like derping and somebody took a painting of him for eight hours. (laughs) How do you get that goatee? How does that happen to you? Okay, we'll come back to Sir Francis Drake and his... That's uh, a bald spot in his goatee. That totally is. Wow. Uh, And his his facial features, uh, you know, facial hair choices... Tim, where do you want to go? I have got to go with Washington Irving. Nice. Because he has written a book in his About life. Bowling. Oh, yeah. It's and I'm pretty sure at one point he tried to get one of those books in a library. I mean, did he Did he try to? Did, is, that, is that a thing that's, that you have to that's, do? That's what, I mean, that's how it happens. I mean, you're an author. The libraries never wanted books in them. Oh, So the authors had to sneak the books in and start putting them on the shelves. (laughs) This makes so much more sense. And you you just look behind you one time Uh, and you just have all these shelves full of books and you're just like, oh, man, I guess we just have to get people to come in here and take them out. (laughs) Take this box, please. No, don't come back with it. And so all they have to do all day just it really is they're just trying to figure out how many books they still have to get rid of. And that's why they have to organize them so they can count them effectively. They're like, no, don't. OK, OK, we'll take this book back. But now you got to take this one. OK, <laughs> just don't please, come back this time. Please get this out of here. All right. Well, uh, we'll come back to that as well. But for right now, let's talk about Sir Francis Drake. Sir Francis Drake. He was a vice admiral. <laughs> that's that's He's true. An that's a, sea captain. That's as far as I got to read too. He died okay. of dysentery. Oh, that's rough. After unsuccessfully attacking San Juan. Ooh. Yep. Bad bad choices. He was a hero to the English, but a pirate to the Spaniards. To whom he was known as El Drake, which is amazing. Yeah. The Drake, the, the Drake. dragon. Is that? I mean, if I'm, yeah, that would be amazing. That's pretty good. But I mean, with a name like, well, I mean, he wouldn't just go by Frank, you know, like Frank Drake. That'd be a little unassuming, I guess. Nice. Well, you know, Frank Frank Drake, Vice Admiral. Oh, man, he just does not do well in these portraits. No, he's not. (laughs) This guy does not take good portraits. (laughs) 
So yeah. I'm going to share this 20... with you, Tim. Yeah, go ahead. He was 23 because... when he made his first voyage to the Americas. That's not true. There's yep. no way that's true. He's sailing with his second cousin, just hanging out with his cousin. And like decided to go around. What? Yep. That's not okay. <laughs> so, Tim, uh, that's his uh, That's his portrait. That's the second portrait they have on here. That's not even the primary image that they use for his page. <laughs> I, I love how they caught him mid-eye roll. <laughs> <laughs> uh, someone was just calling him Frank right then. Oh. Oh, you. <laughs> well, oh, my gosh. So- I can't believe this 23 so elizabeth first sent drake to start an expedition against the spanish along the pacific coast of the americas drake used the plans that sir richard grenville had received the patent for oh. in 1574 from elizabeth Wh- what like they patented Wait, like roots what? yeah i was gonna say like just a, a map is that what is he talking about the a plans. map or it's, just the plans and no, the plans are capital p like wow it's weird like the guy had like it was the plan like maybe that was they they elizabeth had decided this was the plan like in like the royal we this is the royal yeah. plan mm-hmm. maybe yeah this is a royal plan oh man i don't know but well let's see oh well i mean this is why though i mean he oh but they don't say the name of his first boat because i which is sad because i want to know i want to mention that the second boat that he set sail on was the pelican which is a very adorable name for a boat (laughs) there's also christopher (laughs) and the swan oh no hmm he just has all kinds of cute boats yeah yeah mary (laughs) they apparently had a boat named mary uh drake's men saw weathered and bleached skeletons on the grim spanish giblets after he was <laughs> not the giblets the gibbets the gibbets <laughs> <laughs> well, i know that i'm gonna name this episode the <laughs> they had a boat named mary they discovered that <laughs> they discovered that mary had rotting timbers <laughs> So they burned it. Whoa. <laughs> Discovered that Mary had rotting timbers, so they burned the shit. Oh, boy. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Magellan's sorry. example, Drake tried and tried and executed his own mutineer, Thomas Doughty. Oh, man. So, <laughs> you know what other people do? I'll take a page from Magellan and kill the guy that mutinied me. I guess that makes you know. sense. I mean, hey, hey, Dowdy, your your timbers look a little. <laughs> We're forgetting about the most important ship he had, uh, what? the Golden Hind. What? The Golden Hind was an English galleon. <laughs> what? Yes, it was captured by Sir That's a cool name. She was originally known as a Pelican. <laughs> that's not a cool name. Oh they did no! A good move. Oh no! Yeah, that's you know what a hind sure. is, right? Wait, say again. It's like a deer. You, you know what a hind is. A female deer. Yeah. Well, I don't care because I really... <laughs> I'm okay with this in any sense. This is amazing There's in all ways. There's a map inside the masthead of the golden hind. What? Yeah. There's a map. Wait. Wait. Are you are you, you messing with me? Is that is this like some national treasure stuff? <laughs> no, it's not <laughs> national treasure. That's Nicholas Cage's movie. ears perk up. What? 
But if you would have, if you would have played Uncharted three, <laughs> oh, oh, okay. I gotta steal the Magna Carta. <laughs> oh, giblet. Also, also the Golden Eye. <laughs> Man, this guy has no luck with naming boats. That's just all I gotta say. Yeah, they're all either adorable or hilarious. They captured a bunch of ships and stuff. Mm. And yeah, you return to Plymouth. Golden Hyde sailed into Plymouth with Drake and 59 remaining crew aboard. aboard, The bard. Along with a rich cargo of spices and captured Spanish treasures. Ooh. The queen's half share of the cargo surpassed the rest of the crown's income for that entire year. Hmm. So no wonder he's a big deal. Hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Whoa. The queen declared that all written accounts of Drake's voyages were to become the queen's secrets of the realm. And Drake and the other participants of his voyages on the pain of death sworn to their secrecy. She intended to keep Drake's activities away from the eyes of rival Spain. What? Yep. Secrets of the realm? Secrets of the realm and the realm is capitalized. Of course it is. Of course it is. This is what happens when you name your ship the Golden Hind. Yeah. That's incredible. Soon soon you're hiding maps in your mastheads. You're sworn to secrecy. Oh my gosh. Should have just stuck with the pelican. Oh my gosh. Seriously. It's amazing. I love all of this. I I did not know anything about him, which I am very sad to have missed out on all this for so long. Drake's will was the focus of a vast confidence scheme, which Oscar Hartzell perpetrated in the 1920s and 1930s. He convinced thousands of people, mostly in the American Midwest, of course, that Drake's <laughs> fortune was being held by the British government and had compounded to a huge amount. And their oh, no. last name if their last name was Drake, they might be eligible for a share if they oh, paid Hartzell no. to be their agent. The swindle <laughs> continued until a copy of Drake's will was brought to Hartzell's mail fraud trial, and he was convicted and imprisoned. Oh my gosh, there's definitely a book in that. That sounds also amazing. Yeah, crazy. Man, Drake's Drake's not even directly involved, and it's and it's incredible. I'm gonna bring this back to to uh, to Sir Francis Drake with this amazing other like full standing portrait. Where his shirt seems to have some problems. <laughs> what, what is wrong with his arm? <laughs> Look how tiny his, his left arm is. I would have gotten my money back on this one. <laughs> he, he seems really, to have. Is he just like a cheapskate when it came to portraits? He has he has questionable questionable geometry here. That's all I have to say about that. I uh, I don't know what to do with this. Uh, this portrait, circa 1581, may have been copied from Hilliard's miniature, the earlier one that I shared uh, a bit a bit ago. Note the, quote, similar shirt and the somewhat oddly proportioned body. Somewhat? I, I feel that I yeah. think that's pretty generous, Wikipedia. It's pretty bad. Added by an artist who did not have access to Drake. Whoa. Oh. Okay. Whoa. <laughs> that's a gonna, weird way to say that. I was going to say, maybe he painted that, like, on the boat in a storm. Did did not have access to Drake? That's weird. That is weird. Like, I'm sorry, you could probably paint a better picture. Like, <laughs> just, just, just make it body. up. Yeah, like, weird. Oh, my gosh. Remember, was Drake's, like, left hand, like, grossly smaller than, like, the rest of, <laughs> the rest of his body? It was, like, really angular, right? Apparently. Yeah, that's what I hear. That's what the Span- Spaniards say. <laughs> yeah, that's what the Spaniards say. Spaniards say very tiny hands. That's right, yes. Uh, so you know how he executed Thomas Doughty? Sure. Um, as as we all do, yes. The ship's the ship's chaplain, Francis Fletcher, 
uh, in a sermon suggested that the woes of the voyage in January 1580 were connected to the unjust demise of Doughty, and Drake chained him to a hatch cover and pronounced him excommunicated. Wow. Yeah. That's that's intense. I don't, I don't think he gets to do that. I he's Sir Francis Drake. I think he gets to do whatever he wants. This dude literally is one of the only people in the world who can actually have a dragon on his coat of arms and it'd be not a weird thing. I think he gets to do pretty much what he wants, yes. Wow. Crazy. I mean, it literally is a, a dragon on the coat of arms, because I mean Drake. Literally yeah. dragon. Alright. I gotta go just, somewhere. Um, why can't we this is just another one of those pages I just want to stay here all day I was hoping there'd be a library mentioned that there'd be like a Sir Pantris Drake library (laughs) where that he ran but apparently friggin the queen has all his secrets (laughs) Um, maybe there's a museum Victoria and Albert museum oh really I think that's probably my best bet that seems like a good call I also found the National Maritime Museum, which I really want to click on just to find out mm. if there's a maritime law reference in there somewhere. Actually, that might be a better choice. <clears throat> and you get to talk about Kate Beaton. Who doesn't like talking about Kate Beaton? I'm going to the National Maritime Museum. Is yes. she really, she's in here? Oh, I don't know, but she oh. worked at a maritime museum for a really long time. Okay. Maybe not the National Maritime Museum. Oh, no, I, I highly doubt it's this London. one. Probably more of a local level. You got to uh, work your way up. Yeah. <laughs> You got to swab the decks. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's talk about Washington Irving, which right. also has a weird portrait here. So just so Wikipedia makes sure, if you're thinking of the guy who plays cricket, that's Irving Washington. Nice. Oh. But no, oh. we're on Washington Irving. He's the writer that you ask most people about him. And they say, oh, yeah, he's the guy who wrote Rip Van Winkle. He's the guy who wrote uh, Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Starring uh, Johnny Depp. Mm-hmm. But, and Christopher uh, Walken. And Christopher Walken. I mean, come on. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, he uh, did a lot of historical works. He okay. did a biography of George Washington. Okay. Did a biography of Muhammad. Not, also not. Uh, uh, did several names histories. What? Does, are, do they give the titles of these biographies? This is, I mean, I'm guessing the biography of George Washington. Oh, okay. That would be my guess. This <laughs> not, was Not great. This was a time when they didn't come up with books to book titles like that. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, also wrote books on uh, the history of 15th century Spain, hmm. dealing with subjects such as Christopher Columbus, the Moors, and Alhambra. He was wow. even the U.S. ambassador to Spain from 1842 to 1846. That's pretty incredible. Dude got I around. That. Um, I did not know that. Yeah, I didn't know he either. encouraged American authors. He was one of the first American authors to become big in Europe. <laughs> and Japan. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, encouraged <laughs> other American authors such as uh, Hawthorne, Melville... Uh, Longfellow, Poe. So he's got around. He's responsible for most of the guilt in American literature. Got it. Uh, Considered, at least by Wikipedia, to be America's first genuine internationally best-selling author. Wow. Wow. He advocated for writing as a legitimate profession, which we're still battling for, (laughs) (laughs) and argued for stronger laws to protect American writers from copyright infringement. Wow! Whoa! Wait! Yep. At that time, that that's guy. like unheard. That's unheard yeah. of. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, he had wow. he had a bit of a, a rebellious time, as you do. <laughs> oh yeah, In his teen uh, years. Yep. He went to Europe to study law. Returned to New York City. By his own admission, he was not a good student. Barely passed the bar. He was the one who 
affixed a certain nickname to New York City. I just saw this. No, that's not so, okay. Okay, I'll ask you, Sky. What do you think it is? It's an Anglo-Saxon word meaning goat's town. Metropolis? Oh, oh my close. gosh. Really? <laughs> go go to the other DC character. The Big Apple. Yep, that's the one. <laughs> you got it. Dang, Sky. No, the, the other DC city. The other one. Gotham? Yes. Got yeah. Got, that's a nickname got, for New York City? Yes, apparently. it is. Apparently. I've never I heard anyone no call New York City Gotham. Well, well, after after DC stole it, yeah. Oh. But if you had hung around Washington Irving, he would have been like, yeah, I just got back from Gotham. That's a and pretty bad like, city. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a very, pretty great name. Yes. Well, I mean, in this particular sense, it just means goat town, so... Goat town. I don't really goat know if that's... USA. <laughs> yeah. I'm not really sure if I would call that, like, badass, but it's something. <laughs> he has contributed so much in various ways. He is credited with inventing the expression, the almighty dollar. Wow. Wow. Uh, he... One of Irving's most lasting contributions to culture is the way Americans perceive and celebrate Christmas... In his 1812 revisions to A History of New York, Irving inserted a dream sequence, as you do in histories. What? Uh, Featuring St. Nicholas soaring over treetops in a flying wagon. (laughs) Are you kidding me? Nope, that's what it says. A creation others would later dress up as Santa Claus. Uh, I... (laughs) What? In his his biography of Christopher Columbus, he introduced the erroneous idea that Europeans believed the world was flat. Prior to the discovery of the new world. Making one of the greatest movies of all time possible. <laughs> what? <laughs> the magic voyage. The magic voyage. <laughs> yeah. What didn't this guy do? What? Yep. Is he responsible for basically all American culture? Is it him? Yep. And he was long forgotten. I don't be know what to do with Broadway this. Broadway musical. Yeah. Irving. Yes. I don't know what to do with all of this information. So his book, A History of New York, his the name, the pseudonym he wrote it as was Diedrich Knickerbocker, which is also inspired the Knicks. What? Yes. <laughs> That's not the okay. Washington Irving. Are named after Washington Irving. Uh, I need to do more yep. study into Washington Irving, apparently, because I've read some of his work before. I did not realize he was basically early America. Yep, he was New York City, and, pretty much. Oh, and guess current what? America. So I'm getting out of here. Uh, no. So the death of John Jacob Astor, a really rich dude. Okay. Uh, after his death in 1848, Irving was hired as an executor of Astor's estate and appointed by Astor's will as first chairman of the Astor Library. Oh, oh, wow. A forerunner to the New York Public Library. Wait, oh. a forerunner? Do yep. libraries need forerunners? Apparently. Wow. Wow. They need at well. least two. <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. So I'm going to the New York Public Library. That's pretty well, awesome. I'm, I'm sorry, Sky. Well, I, I'm not sorry because I have a library right here. What? It's called the Card Library. I don't know what that is. It's the library in the Maritime Museum. Oh, that's pretty sweet. It has the largest historical maritime reference library. Oh my gosh, it does. It has over 100,000 books. 20,000 pamphlets. Sky, I I can't help but mention that all of these statistics here that are referencing a library, that it should be 
very easy to do. None of this is cited. Nope. None of this. <laughs> Nobody cares. You, why even, would you not? He even says that the reading room is open Monday to Friday, 10 to 1645. <laughs> <laughs> it's not no, an advertisement, guys. Uh, Sky, no, Monday to Friday, 10 to 1645. They're, right. They go by, obviously, maritime hours. Maritime hours, yeah. Well, yeah, uh, this is actually, I know who wrote this, and it is the curator of the card library. Oh, this is The amazing. archive and library holds a fantastic range of resources for finding out more <laughs> about maritime history. Oh, so great. For news and interesting items from the collection, see card library blog. Link offsite. <laughs> To request items and view the library, please register at Aeron, library's all, ordering system. We're all going Search to Search archive that, right? catalog and library. Library catalog is right here, but it is an out, it's their library catalog, and it takes me out of Wikipedia. We're all going to wow. re- register on their library or ordering system, right? Because I think so. They're all, <laughs> <laughs> the lady's just going to be sitting there and spit out her coffee <laughs> at the fact that three people suddenly has <laughs> <laughs> registered. No. In one day. <laughs> what? It's so busy. I don't know what to do. <laughs> oh, God. No, I'm sure it's actually a pretty busy library. It sounds amazing. Pretty bu- busy, busy museum. This sounds so cool. I definitely want to come here. Yep. So the museum's already been around. Uh, yeah. So the museum's only been around uh, since 1934. Um, it's 200 acres big. <laughs> I mean, for it used to be the Royal Hospital School, but they didn't need those now that they have boats. <laughs> um, these buildings had previously been occupied by the Royal Naval Asylum. Sure has. Uh, before it was incorporated into the Greenwich Royal Hospital School, and all of its ghosts just you know kind of roll yeah, with it. They're rolling with it. They're like, yeah, we can be we can be ghosts on boats. Ghosts on boats, pretty sweet. <laughs> That's a Dr. Seuss book that never got written. Yep. Um, here's something interesting. The collection of the National Maritime Museum also includes items taken from Germany after World War II, oh, including dang. several ship models and paintings. The museum has been criticized for possessing what has been described as looted art. Wow. Lude art. No. no. <laughs> okay. The in museum, your, though. In your pants. Rec- <laughs> the museum shoots back, hey, you guys, it's not looted art. These cultural objects are war trophies. Ooh. <laughs> Removed under the provisions of the Potsdam Conference. I'm not sure how I feel about that. Yeah, uh, man, there is, it, it, there really is actually a, a really interesting um, uh, whole sub or side story in history about the art that was stolen and or moved around during World War II. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Looted art is linked here, and it's very tempting. Oh my gosh, it's so interesting. Well. So I am in a museum, which is close to a library. Literally but not inside a library. the library. Yeah. So where I don't know what I'm supposed to do now. <laughs> um, I is mean, there a curator. Hmm, that curator. could get you somewhere. Um, Man, the library section has no links. I yeah, I was noticing that too. They're all off-site links. Yep. Mm, dang. Um, I guess what I'm gonna do. You could is... click on one of these dudes listed here and just hope that they happen to be a librarian. I yes. <laughs> I could do that. I mean, it's an option, is what I, I'm just saying. All right. Here we go. The 17th century Queen's House, an early classical building designed by Inigo Jones, uh, which is a great name that I'm going to click on. 
My name um, is Nego Jones. Because if he's an architect, uh, he's probably designed maybe other things. Sure, maybe. Uh, Tim, let's talk about the New York Public Library, which probably has a librarian in it. You would think. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> so. The, the New York Public Library is a really, really big library. It is. It is the second largest in the country. Yep. The Library Whoa. of Congress being the first. Oh, of course it is, yes. The fourth largest in the world. I didn't know that. It has almost 53 million items in its collection. Wow. <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs> but all that all that the kids want to take out is where the sidewalk ends. Mm. That's how yeah. it was in high school library. Yeah. You can never get that book. And the comics, yeah. We didn't have comics. Whoa, what? So the New York Public Library was <laughs> basically brought about by the um, Washington Irving. Washington Irving. Well, no, because it was John Jacob Astor. Oh, okay. He supplied the money. In his will, he gave $400,000, which in today's money is about $10.9 Sure. To create a public library, which they did. Boom, Astor Library, like I mentioned. <laughs> Mission accomplished. Uh, there was another library that was created in 1870 called the Lennox Library. Oh, uh, for Annie Lennox. Bibliophile and philanthropist James Lennox donated oh, sure. a vast collection yeah. yes, of his way. stuff, including the first Gutenberg Bible in the New World. Dang. Yep. That's pretty awesome. The library Whoa. charged admission at the time, though, did not permit physical access to any literary items. How is that a library then? Because that seems to be the opposite of what a library is. Yeah, that, that just sounds... seems to be a looky room. That's a <laughs> that's a, that's a museum. What you just defined is a museum. Yep. Uh, so after that, uh, former governor of New York and presidential candidate Samuel J. Tilden, nice, uh, believed that hey, the people of New York should have Books. a big library that anyone can go to, and he donated about two point four million. Which in today's money is $63 million. So much money. <laughs> yep. To establish that money and the money just sat a while because people are like, okay, we got the money to do this. What are we actually going to do? <laughs> <laughs> uh, finally, one of uh, the attorneys for his estate uh, was like, well, why don't we merge these two libraries? Mm. And people are like, okay, because at the time both libraries were struggling financially. As libraries. Probably because it was free. I'm not sure Lennox because probably everyone was just sick of looking at the stuff, not being able to touch it. <laughs> yeah. So they merged those two libraries together. Let's see here. More well, more rich people donated money, including Andrew Carnegie. Of course. Uh, donated five point two million, equivalent to one hundred and forty eight million. As you do. <laughs> it's just rich people just outdoing each other, donating uh, more and more money. Can I just mention here that in uh, 1895, when they brought the libraries together, the full name of the library was officially at the time, the New York Public Library, Astor, Lennox, and Tilden Foundations. What? Yep. What? Gotta get all the names in. That's a mouthful. Uh, okay. <laughs> so they finally, they finally got that together. And, you know, you get some uses out of your library. Mm. You rent some books. You just look you... at them. <laughs> Look at you look at the first Gutenberg Bible in the New World. Pretty cool. You rent maps, hire their map experts for your wars. Take pictures in front of the lions. Yep. Yes. So the the military actually did use the New York Public Library as an extensive resource for its war efforts, especially the World Wars. 
You got books on guns? No. Uh, How do you dig a trench? Well, no, just think, because where else are you going to get maps? You don't. You can't go on Google Maps. Some They needed to figure like, out oh, how hey, to make... It's like, oh, hey, I need a map of Western Russia right now. Where are you going <laughs> to get it? Western Russia? Just Russia? go out there, yeah. No, it says... Um, no. Uh, the map division. <laughs> no, dog. Because the, public, the library had a map division. Uh, their chief, Walter Ristow, was appointed as head of the geography section of the War Department's New York Office of Military Intelligence. Uh, Ristow and his staff discovered, copied, and loaned thousands of strate- strategic, rare, or unique maps to war agencies in need of information not available through other sources. Oh, that wow. almost sounds like spy stuff, too, like yeah. discovering yeah. maps. And... That's pretty cool. Wow. So you can still basically call or email the New York Public Library with questions and they will find answers to you for you. Oh, but that's what they do best. 24 hours a day, 7 days per week. That's awesome. You can ask in Spanish or English? Are you asking us or are you just saying? No, that? you can. You can. Oh. <laughs> uh, the service fulfilled nearly 70,000 requests in 2007 uh, and nowadays regularly exceeds 100,000 questions per year. Uh, inquiries range from the serious and life-changing for example a New Orleans resident who lost his birth certificate in Hurricane Katrina needing to know how to obtain a copy Wow! uh, to the fun or even off the wall a short story writer researching the history of gorgonzola cheese Oh, the library staff will not answer crossword or contest questions do children's homework or answer philosophical speculations (laughs) wow nice (laughs) <laughs> okay, let's get out of here. Uh, so, librarian is mentioned a lot. Yeah. None of it is linked. Really? Uh, yeah. So, I'm just going to get basic. Gonna get I feel basic bad for here. this, but I'm going to go to public library. Basic library. Mm. Yeah. All right, public library. All right, Sky, let's talk about Inigo Jones. Inigo Jones. Who should have a movie. He was the first significant English architect of West. Of well, West. Of Welsh West ancestry. ancestry, yes. Yep. He did a lot of... Du- <laughs> he did a lot of stuff. He did a lot of uh, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he did the Queen's house, like yep. we said. The banqueting <laughs> house. A bunch of houses in England nobody knows. But you know what else he did? Major contributions to stage design. Oh, that's pretty sweet. Yep. He designed several dozen masks. Oh, like masks? M-A-S-Q-U-E-S. Yeah. When um, you spell it that way, that makes it fancy. Most by royal command, and many in collaboration with Ben Johnson, who's a guy that this Wikipedia page assumes you know. <laughs> so under Queen Anne's uh, patronage, he is credited with introducing movable scenery and the prosce- proscenium arch sure. to English theater. What is that? I'm clicking it. Is the it's, metaphorical vertical plane of space in a theater what? usually surrounded by the top of the size of a physical? Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, so it's the front of the stage. Yeah, it's the arch above the front of the stage. Wow, weird. Um, between eight between sixteen oh five and sixteen forty, Jones was responsible for staging over five hundred performances, collaborating with Ben Johnson for many years, despite a relationship <laughs> fraught with competition and jealousy. We still the two know. had. Our, we still don't know who he is, but he this is what he did. Yeah. The two had arguments about whether stage design or literature was more important in theater. Whoa. Yep. I mean, it's a discussion we we still have today. It's true. Um. So he, yeah, over four. We have over four hundred and fifty of his drawings from doing stage junk. 
<laughs> so yeah, and then he built a bunch of buildings after doing that. And that's pretty much it. Yeah, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. They, they look pretty cool though. Yeah, he did a lot, but he did not do any libraries. No Let's libraries. See. I don't know what to I don't know what to do. Yeah, I might I might take a back step if <laughs> I mean I don't well I I came here because this is the most I don't know where I would backstep. Actually, that's a really good point. I mean, let's see. I should maybe Ben Johnson is a librarian. (laughs) He likes literature. Hang on a second. (laughs) You're just going Ben Johnson. (laughs) Just click 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 random. Tim is on public library. I'm going (laughs) Ben Johnson. Uh, Tim, let's talk about public libraries. Just the most general idea of the public library. Yeah, this this page provides a general sort of history of libraries, what they do. I mean, we know pretty much all about that already. Mm-hmm. We already had, you know, we already went over the history of the New York Public Library, so I don't want to do that. Mm. Uh, I want to talk about other services a library can provide, especially to more remote uh, boondocky kind of areas. Really? Okay. You remember the bookmobile, Sky? Yeah. It was Who amazing. Doesn't? Oh, Did you have best. a bookmobile, Kyle? Yes, it yes. was so great. I so mean, that it was, is um, for so those who tiny, might not know. Yeah, it's basically a, a library on wheels, a big bus that went around, had books. Uh, it would come to your town if your town so, did not have, you know, a big library. Did you have like an actual? Because ours was basically a a slightly large uh, uh, van, essentially. Did you guys have like an actual bus? Because I've yeah. seen yep. I've seen them like school bus sized. Yep, that's what yeah. we had. Ours was basically the size of a small, like just larger than like an Astro van. Yeah, we had a, a full bus. It was it was pretty nice. Pretty oh, impressive. that's amazing. So, but as things continue to evolve, as people can get access to more and more information, it's becoming harder for such uh, places to become relevant. Mm. Um, both uh, remote, you know, traveling libraries and ones that are, you know, brick and mortar, stay in one place. Yeah. So, you know, you, you graduate up to, you know, you add some audiobooks, you add some ebooks, you add some CDs and stuff. Uh, in 2015, Wikipedia says certain libraries have started to stock more general materials for borrowing. Do you need a pot? Do you need some pans? What? Do you need a sewing machine? The library can, can help you out. Well, I guess. I don't see a problem with that. Yep. If they're willing to go with that, sure. Let's see here. Uh, as more government services move online, libraries and librarians are training themselves to uh, help people fill that stuff out, take care of those things, especially uh, stuff like the Affordable Care Act, getting mm-hmm. health insurance. Yeah. The bookmobile service uh, we have mentioned. Uh, if you are in a place that does not have a lot of mechanical transportation, you might put your books on a burrow or a camel or an elephant. What? I want a book elephant. I want a book elephant so bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, Some actually, of them come I think equipped with internet access points. I elephant? want a Wi-Fi book elephant. <laughs> I think I would probably be better equipped to handle like a book burrow, but even so, mm-hmm. I, I would still want a Wi-Fi book burrow. I'm just just putting that out there. Yep, and then it just says uh, libraries are also important during emergencies and disasters. Um, a place that you sometimes go to in Resident Evil games. <laughs> uh, no, it's it's. they say they're, they're often used as shelters, um, a place to charge phones yeah. and access the internet. Yeah. And distribute aid. 
That's pretty great. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, libraries, I mean, of course, like the three of us are going to be super excited about libraries, but they are, they're really awesome. <laughs> yeah. I have been getting back into the local libraries here. I, I just recently, uh, downloaded the uh the app for my local library with that you know has all the ebooks and things like that on uh accessible there and i am actually using it and it feels it feels very cool i guess to be able to be like oh i'm just going to download this book uh, i don't have time to get out there right now but at least i'm being a part of that you know that uh that exchange i guess mm-hmm. yeah and so, the, the libraries around here have started holding events like retro game days and stuff Oh, that's so cool. Where they bring in like old arcade machines and uh, have beer pong with water. Wow. You didn't have okay. to drink the water, thankfully. <laughs> <laughs> but they're just holding more fun things to get people in. It's it's becoming a place to just, you know, gather and have fun with people too, which is nice. Yeah. And I while you're that's... there, hey, you know, check out some books and stuff too. Read a book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, uh, libraries have librarians. And oh right, yes. Thankfully, uh, those are linked. linked. Oh, 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 good job! Wow. Well, there's the librarian. Well done, Tim. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, uh, Sky, would you like to talk about Ben Johnson? <laughs> Holy crap! I would. I've been trying to read as much as I can about him, and he's a crazy guy. What? He's really? a wild and cre- crazy English playwright, poet, actor, and literary critic of the 17th century. What? Whoa, he's man. <laughs> this dude's nuts. <laughs> Whoa, okay. He says that he's generally regarded as the second most important English dramatist after William Shakespeare during the wow. reign of James I. But you know, a second gets you nothing. <laughs> I've never heard of this guy. Apparently. <laughs> Three well, English majors and we've never heard of, him, <laughs> of this guy. Um so he was classically educated and he just had a crazy temper. He had to do an apprenticeship to be a brick a bricklayer with his stepfather, which he apparently yeah. didn't like. And then he left to um, become a soldier, and he killed uh, an enemy soldier in single combat and took for trophies the weapons of the vanquished soldier. And then um, he worked as an actor and a playwright after that. Now, whoa, 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 whoa! Hold on, back up. Yep. He killed a guy, took his stuff, and was like, I'm That's good. how it's written here. Yep. And then he's like, I'm going to become a playwright. I'm feeling inspired. <laughs> wow. Yep. And he was actually um, the protagonist in the play, The Spanish Tragedy, which was the first revenge tragedy in English literature. Oh, my Ooh. gosh. Regarding his marriage, Johnson described his wife to, a, to William Drummond, don't know who that guy is, <laughs> as a shrew yet honest. Wow. Okay. So, great. <laughs> Whoa, hold on. And since the 17th century, the identity of Johnson's wife has been obscure. Yes. Like, we don't know. Right. And Yet they're like, there's an Anne Lewis who married a Benjamin Johnson in 1594, but we're not really sure. If it's that, it's Ben Johnson. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, that's a pretty generic name. Wow. Yep. So, his kids I, died a bunch. Oh. Yeah. It's It sucks. So, he began writing plays and... Uh, where is it? So he in 1597 he co-wrote um, the Isle of Dogs with <laughs> Thomas Nash, 
uh, and that was suppressed after causing great offense, and arrest warrants for Johnson and Nash were issued by Queen Elizabeth I, so-called interrogator Richard Topcliffe. Wow, that's a great name. Um, Johnson was jailed uh, in Marsh Marshallacy Prison? Sure. And charged with lewd and mutinous behavior. Wow. Mute, mute, mutinous? mutinous? Yes. M-U-T-Y-N-O-U-S. Yeah, they just spell it that way because they're British. Yep, and then a year later, he was briefly imprisoned for killing Gabrielle Spencer in a duel. This guy has problems. Briefly. Yep. Tried on a charge of manslaughter, Johnson pleaded guilty but was released by benefit of clergy. A legal ploy through which he gained what? leniency by reciting a brief Bible verse. What? Forfeiting his goods and chattels and being branded on his left thumb. What? Yep. Well, in Gaul, Johnson converted to Catholicism, possibly through the influence of fe- fellow prisoner Father Thomas Wright, a oh Jesuit gosh. priest who was in jail for some reason. <laughs> that sounds like not the person to talk to about converting. Yep. Then he produced his first great success, Every Man in His Humor. Oh he was capitalizing goodness. on, I guess, like humor was in at the time. Um, <laughs> humor was in at the time. Yep. William Shakespeare was among the first actors to be cast. Wow. So I think at this time, converting to Catholicism was something that you probably didn't want to do. Correct. Yes. It's so, not a cool time. Which he was kind of into. Um, uh, he looks like a guy. Yeah, he looks yeah. like a guy who wants to get Conv- into a fight about a thing. <laughs> conviction kind of sustained Johnson's faith during the troublesome 12 years he remained a Catholic. Uh, his his stance received attention beyond the low-level intolerance of which most followers of their faith were exposed because he was a jerk. Yep. <laughs> um, yep. The first draft of his play, Sejanus, Sedju- Sh- was sure. banned for popery <laughs> and did not reappear until some offending passages were cut. Oh, hey. In January 1606, he, with his wife Anne, appeared before the consist- consistory court. So he, so we do know who she is. Yeah. Sorry, go on. Okay. <laughs> well, they, they appeared before the court to answer a charge of rescue. Rescuency? Recusancy, maybe? Recusancy? I don't, I don't know what that is. With Johnson alone additionally accused of allowing his fame as a Catholic to deduce the citizens to the cause. Oh, that's This amazing. was a serious matter, um, but he explained that his failure to take communion was only because he had not found sound theological endorsement for the practice, which I don't get why that came up. Yep. And by paying a fine of 13 shillings, he escaped the more serious penalties. What? Of the authorities. <laughs> disposal that's not a thing you can't just do that his habit was to slip outside during the sacrament a common routine at the time indeed it was one followed by the royal consort queen anne herself dang to show political loyalty while not offending the conscience oh there's a whole section here called his relationship to shakespeare but i've talked about this guy for like hours yeah and and basically his his relationship with shakespeare was bad they hated each other let's just put it in there this guy just didn't like anyone yeah all right well I'm going to click on Cambridge University Press because... Oh, okay. That's that's a sad place to end. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, it's fine. King Henry VIII? What? Founded the, founded the Cambridge University Press? Sure. I guess he probably just founded the University of Cambridge, but yeah. <laughs> I like to imagine that he had... His, <laughs> he, had that he, he was like, you know what we need. <laughs> it also holds letters patent, patent as the Queen's Printer. What? What is that? A, is that like the president's calligrapher? Are we it's finding a position this? defined by letters patent under the royal prerogative in various Commonwealth realms? What does that mean? 
You, you're not supposed to know. It's secret. Those were <laughs> secrets of the realms. <laughs> Good callback. All right. Okay. Well, I'm going to let that go. And Tim, let's talk about librarians, I guess. Well, li- there's nothing that interesting about librarians. I know. Wow, I'm really sad that a this. a terrible stereotype. To- well, <laughs> well, well, specifically this page is just not that and like i feel bad that i brought you guys here <laughs> that's that's why i brought you here well <laughs> i yeah basically i what happened was if i'm if i'm really honest i just i started at bowling cuz it was amazing and i just worked my way out until i found something several clicks away that i thought could be fun could get librarians? us to librarians to some interesting places it could take us to interesting places because that's what librarians do. They take us this to... Is, this is Wikipedia, Kyle, not reading Rainbow. Interesting places. But <laughs> there's, a, there's a picture of a librarian's workplace here. This is at great. At the New Market Public Library in 2013. iPad, PC, e-reader, and laptop computer are required tools. Are they? You need an <laughs> iPad and an e-reader? No. And, and the thing is... like, Oh, you need a PC and a laptop. Are, are there any books on that desk? No, there's no. not a single book. No books. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. Okay, well, I mean, we can all agree that librarians are amazing, and it's so great that they do what they do, because I know I would not be the person I am today without libraries like that. <laughs> uh, I, I, I do want to say that um, there is a division of the American Library Association called the Library Leadership and Management Association. Wow. Otherwise known as Llama. (laughs) That's so great. Are you a Llama? (laughs) Uh, They do talk about uh, gender and librarianship. Uh, The ratio of female to male librarians is roughly four to one. But if you go to top positions such as, you know, the Library of Congress, uh, most of those are held by men. Wow. Whoa. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. That's disheartening <laughs> but they're they're still they're continuing to make you know strides and pushes toward more sort of equality wow. among positions because like becoming a librarian is it's hard tough academic work yeah it really is. like you don't just like every english major graduates and they're like oh i can apply to become a librarian now you are wrong <laughs> no no you are so hard. wrong you have to go for a master's in yeah. library sciences to well, even have, to have a chance at most places. Yeah. And a lot of people, a lot of them go for another master's in sort of a related topic that they want to sort of specialize in. It's incredible. So yeah, it, it takes a lot of effort to become a librarian. Yeah. Do you want to uh, talk about some, some librarians in popular culture? <laughs> sure. There's in the Discworld book series, there's a librarian who was magically turned into an orangutan. Sure. Weird Al Yankovic plays Conan the Librarian in UHF. What? Space Marine Librarians <laughs> are characters from the collectible miniatures game Warhammer 40K. These superhuman fighters come equipped with potent psychic powers rather than just being desk-bound intellects. Sure. Just being desk-bound intellects. Wow. Excuse me. How insulting. <laughs> yes. The play and film The Music Man... Features the character Marion, who is a librarian. a librarian. Wow, I feel like that's a bit on the nose, but okay. Yeah. 
Uh, I do want to make mention here, <clears throat> there's a, a section about the deaf community and librarianship in the United States. And uh, this is interesting. I did not realize that this was such a big deal. I mean, of course it is, because uh, basically American history and dealing with deaf people is spotty, you know, yeah. most of the time. And um, especially with the capital D deaf community, um, you know, being able to communicate with people in that community is not something that just anyone is going to be equipped to do, even though you might think it is. Uh, but it looks like, um, you know, it says here, the history of the role of libraries in the deaf community in the United States was a sordid one at best. The American Library Association readily admits that disabled people belong to a minority that is often overlooked and upper, underrepresented by people in the library, and the deaf community belongs in this minority group. Um, one of the first activists in the library community working toward accessibility for the deaf was Alice Hagermeyer. <clears throat> when disabled communities be began demanding equality in the 1970s, Hagemeyer decided to go back to school for a library or for a master's degree in library science, as we talked about before. Um, while she was there studying there, she realized there was not much information about the deaf community in her library or at the libraries of any of her classmates, and she became a, an activist for deaf awareness at the library. All right, and she became the first librarian for the deaf community from any public library in the nation. That's incredible. Uh, she constructed a manual of resources for deaf people and those associated with them called the Red Notebook, which is now online at, at the website at the Friends of Libraries for Deaf Action. Folda. Um, they do make mention here a little bit farther down the library at Gulladay, which of course it should be. Uh, Gulladet, uh is the it's the only listed here the only deaf liberal arts college in the in the United States. Of course, they have a library collection and. It looks here to say the library houses the university's archives. Um, oh, wait, I thought it said that it had the biggest collection for related to deaf people. Uh, library houses the university's archives, which also holds some of the oldest deaf-related books and documents in the world. That would be incredible to check out. I really kind of want to look into that. <laughs> but yeah, it it is really the only place that does that kind of that kind of uh, in-depth reaching out to uh to deaf people um that's really interesting i did not know that hmm. mm -hmm. so uh see we did manage to find some really cool stuff even on the librarian page it's true <clears throat> I apologize. So, yeah see see you guys it was interesting it was all it was interesting all along and i mean we found some great books we learned a lot about bowling and a lot of other weird things <laughs> that I did not realize we were going to be covering tonight. So, uh, so congratulations, Tim. Well done thank uh, you. for getting the librarian. And uh, thank you guys for coming along with me. And uh, if you guys, if anyone listening wants to hear more of our races through Wikipedia, they can find us at a bunch of different places. Uh, first, you can check out our uh, our website at wskbcast.blogspot.com. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for We Should Know Better. You can check us out on Twitter at WSKBcast. And you can find us on iTunes or Stitcher. Stitcher still? Is that? Yep. Oh, wow. Well, okay. Just checking. That people use, I think. <laughs> All right. Just checking. Uh, if you do any of those things, please send us a note, please, or, or write a review, or share share the podcast with someone else you like, or even someone you don't like. 
because maybe they'll enjoy this podcast and then you'll be friends and see we've brought people together already so now they're gonna listen to this episode and they're gonna know it was just all ruse oh no yeah Uh, it wasn't genuine yeah maybe skip this episode share them share the next episode with them and then don't tell them to go back to any of the back that's awful it's a bad idea Hmm. so just let us know after you've told them and i'll take it off the feed i'll take this episode down We'll we'll help you with your very complex uh, plan to get a new friend. Yes, that's uh, what we do here. <laughs> very complex fr- plans for new friends. Yes. Well, uh, I am glad that we got to go on this trip, and um, I I am definitely going to be pulling to, or at least writing to the Library of Congress to get the uh, in your pants uh, decimal uh, system or uh, set uh, actually place to put into place Please because do. that is something that needs to happen you so. should call up the new york public library <laughs> ask them i feel like they would not they would not be okay with that they would smell it coming like a thousand miles oh away. my gosh there's like no way one of these. oh oh one of you guys or yeah. or being the all-knowing people that they are they have heard this podcast already and know it's going to happen and are just like look i know you guys are just trying to get us to be friends this is not going to work we should know better. The number one podcast in the New York Public Library. That's right. And no one can prove differently. So, uh, yeah. So I think we're going to call it there. So nice work. To, nice work, you guys. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night. Thus, great things from small things is what his thing says. His thing. <laughs> Maybe that would be a really, <laughs> a really sad thing for his thing to say. I'll burn your rotting timbers. <laughs> <laughs> I'll burn your rotting timbers, Mary. Sir Francis Drake. <laughs>